objective to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. My name is Isfandiar Barahini, joined by Lauren Gunn. If I'm not my usual cheery self, it's because it's been a wild day in the NBA, a tough day in the NBA. Lauren, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the games, uh, but the Celtics and the Warriors tipped off. On the side, the Raptors and Timberwolves were tipping off in mm-hmm. a game that was pivotal for the franchise, but I'll talk about that after we talk about this <laughs> this uh, Celtics-Warriors game, which was just, it was as if you ripped it right away from the NBA Finals. The intensity was there. Obviously, the Celtics pulled it out in overtime, 121-118, mm-hmm. And the the intensity to me was something that like kind of stuck out immediately because, you know, obviously there's a history between these two teams coming dating back to the finals. Um, and, you know, with the way that Jason Tatum performed in the finals, I think the way that he started out this game, a lot of people jumped to react to that because he did struggle. He finished the game with seven turnovers. I believe he was eight of 25 in the fourth quarter and he finished the game nine of 27. Um, mm-hmm. But still... I think one of the things that caught my attention was the fact that they were resilient enough to pull out this win. A mm. uh, Celtics team last year, the Celtics team, pretty much the exact same team outside of Malcolm Brogdon, probably would have withered away in that situation, uh, especially with Tatum struggling a little bit offensively, You know, them not getting into their fields. I think the Warriors did a lot of good things to make them uncomfortable. Yeah. And the fact that they were resilient enough to pull this out the fact that their defense was resilient enough to kind of make the Warriors uncomfortable back, mm-hmm. that was really important to me. And I think that's a stepping stone. I think that's maybe it's a mental hurdle that they had to get over where it's like we can beat this team even if our best player isn't shooting the lights out. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if you had any kind of takeaways from that too, but I think that was the first thing that kind of caught my attention was, hey, this team has changed. Something has clicked this yeah. year. It's that whole, like, champion, not championship swagger, but we've been here before. We know how this exactly. is type of swagger. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. And and that's the key because we talk a lot about, you know, young teams and kind of even just going off of our last episode where we talked about young cores. There reaches a point where you're still young, but you do yeah. kind of have that swagger and that level of preparedness where you can now compete at the highest level. And I I liked what you said about maybe a year ago, maybe they would have folded and and wouldn't have been able to turn that one around. But you look at guys like, you know, this is where guys like Al Horford and Malcolm Brogdon and guys that have experience really come in and, and, um, and just help guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who, in my opinion, have always been mature players just from the second they got into the league and from the way they play, the way they carry themselves. But when you put all of these pieces together and you continue to build continuity and get older and get, I don't, I don't want to say get older and get more mature, but as you just naturally age and, and, and things that come with experience, that's when you really see teams that have this, this talent and this good combination of complementary players on both ends of the floor. That's what really takes them to the next level and puts them right. in that position to really compete for a title. Uh, and, and while Golden State is obviously overcoming some, some things that we talked about on our last episode and we'll probably continue to talk about for a little bit, um, they are still a very tough team to beat. And it says a lot to go out there and and, and take them down. So uh, for the Celtics, I mean, to me, it's just another kind of testament to the product that they're continuing to put out this year because they are as dominant as the record shows. There was a in the fourth quarter, there was a little bit of a like a, a uncertainty to what the Warriors mm-hmm. were doing. They kind of seem unsure of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, okay, we're rushing a little bit into our offensive sets. We're not moving the ball as as much as we want to. We're essentially just looking for Steph Curry to bail us out. And while Steph is, is clearly talented enough to do that, um, I just think there was this sense of like, oh, we have our backs against the wall. We're not the team we might have been last season. And we feel it. 
Uh, right. And I, I'm not sure if if that's going to be something the Warriors front office looks at and says, OK, we need to add some depth because sure. or, or at least some veteran presence like outside of a loony, outside of a Draymond, outside of the guys you can rely on. Right. Mm-hmm. Something to just be able to keep keep guys accountable. Um, and I think that that fourth quarter kind of showed me it's like, ah, when the going gets tough and like Steph isn't isn't feeling it obviously he's still coming back from that shoulder injury and maybe you can't get pool involved as much and now okay a lot of what they do is what helps create shots for clay Mm -hmm. and now your offense isn't working that seamless you know free basketball like passing it around type of style that they like to play it's not as potent as it was before um they have a lot of questions that they have to answer and i i think you know, at the start of this game and how they looked in the first half, I'm like, oh, this Warriors team has the Celtics number. They figured them out. Uh, and, hey, like this Warriors team might actually end up kind of surging. And we'll get to that. We have an award about that uh, a little bit later on. But I, I think this is a good mental win for the Celtics. I know we mm-hmm. don't like to chalk up regular season wins and whatnot. But if you had to put a little bit more importance on a regular season game, uh, this was one of those games to to, to yeah. put an emphasis on. Another game that was important, but in a very different way, <laughs> in a very, very, very different way, was the Toronto Raptors losing, I believe it was a 16-point lead to the Minnesota Timberwolves <sighs> to lose again. Um, no Carl Anthony Towns, no Rudy Gobert for the Timberwolves, uh, and the Raptors blew a pretty sizable lead. Scotty Barnes was phenomenal. He was really, really special tonight. Had a season-high 29 points, among other things. Uh, Fred VanVleet was great as well. I think Precious Chachua stepped in and did some great things. All in all, there were some pretty great performances tonight from that team. But the tail of the tape is the fact that they're 20 and 26. They just lost the game against Carl Anthony Towns. No, no Car- a Timberwolves team without Carl Anthony Towns and a Timberwolves team without Rudy Gobert. And they followed that up. By the way. The, the Timberwolves were on a second night of a back-to-back. That's that's just another thing. After going <sighs> to the wire in Denver, in the Mile High City, where mm-hmm. people talk about the altitude and the your lungs feeling so heavy. Hard. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> your lungs feeling heavy. These Timberwolves came back in the fourth quarter to beat the Raptors. You know what? <laughs> on top of that, on Tuesday they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks after Gary Trent Jr.'s headband fell off from Brooke Lopez and he was ejected and whatnot. But there was no Giannis Antetokounmpo and no mm-hmm. Chris Middleton in that game. I personally, uh, for covering this team, have given a lot of chances to this squad this season, especially to figure it out. I think they've deserved uh, a kind of leeway, a leash to, to figure things out and see who they are. But mm-hmm. we are now 46 games into this season. It's not working. It, it quite frankly isn't working. And I don't know who gets moved. I don't know what moves they make. But the whole reports that we see about them waiting until February 1st, they're them waiting until the deadline to see what this team can be. Let's just let's stop that. Let's let's stop the whole. Oh, let's give this team more time. <laughs> this team has been given time. They have figured it out. And mm-hmm. we have figured it out. They don't work. Um, this this vision, I, I wrote about it in the newsletter, but this Vision 6-9 thing that they've created, I think they've, they've tried to optimize and really, really refine on the small margins mm-hmm. to win without having great shooting, to win possession battles, to be this chaotic defense. Uh, and that's a taxing style to play. It just doesn't work when you don't have depth. And the Raptors right now don't have depth. So... I don't know what the move is. I'm not sure what they're going to do. That has been talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, (laughs) on different podcasts, in writing, in ink, whatever you want to do. It has been talked about a bunch. Moving Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., maybe an OG Ananobi. Who knows at this point what will happen? I, I think the one thing we do know from this month of basketball is that the current situation in the Toronto Raptors basketball team, the core just doesn't work that's it it's i've never heard you be this down 
on your rafters. It's, it's, I don't know that I've just, ever heard exhausting. you could have been, but I yeah. don't know that I've never heard it. And so <laughs> part of me, God, I just I I want to pick it all apart. Obviously, that's not what what we're doing today, but <laughs> I just I know how you feel. I'm in a similar place with the Mavs. Obviously, the Raptors losing two tough ones kind of in a short amount of time. That that stings a little bit, but yeah. I am curious to see because we know, I mean, we've seen in on multiple occasions how Masai goes about his business. And so he's someone that you can put a lot of trust in. And at least in my opinion, that's my, that's my read on him. I think you probably share the same sentiment. Um, yeah. So I am intrigued to see how aggressive he is, how um, motivated he is to really shake things up and how he goes about it and kind of what direction he looks to go. Because we've, another thing that we've talked about is the different options and the different directions that they could go. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. I'm really intrigued to see that with them. And I think there are several teams um, as we're kind of going further and further towards the second half, uh, the back half of the season and going to marching towards that deadline. I think it's really interesting to, interesting to see these teams and how they might lean in towards a, or in terms of, okay, this is the direction that we need to be going, or this is exactly how we need to improve. Because while there's a lot of talent in this league right now, I think there's a lot of opportunity. And, and, and I think even both conferences are, are pretty wide open for teams to potentially be buyers and try and take that next step forward uh, to get a leg up in each of, I guess, the respective conferences. I'm curious to see what they do because there is a I, – I think, you know, despite me being all doom and gloom today, <laughs> um, there is there is an argument to be had that they could be buyers um, mm -hmm. and that, yeah. you know, by adding depth and by maybe grabbing that center that they've been trying to get for the last three seasons, that a lot of these problems that we've talked about get solved. Yeah. Um, that there's a possibility in that. The, there's also the possibility of them being sellers and kind of moving in a different direction. Uh, the great thing is, to your point, that they have this flexibility. They have these options that they can explore. And I think the fact that, you know, they have all their draft capital moving forward. They have these players that are valued league-wide in an OG mm -hmm. Ananobi, in a Pascal Siakam, in a Fred Bambley, right. in a Gary Trent Jr. Um, it makes it so that they ha they can assess their options. They can see where they're at. Um, and I understand from a front office perspective that, you know, hey, let's take our time with this and see how we can build things out. But when you lose the way you've been losing, um, there's really no more room for, hey, there, let's, let's see how much longer we can push this thing. Right. You kind of are who you are at a certain point. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the Raptors, especially this season, are just who they are. Yeah. Uh, you even you even look at last year, and it took an exceptional Fred VanVleet season, a really, really good Gary Trent Jr. season, uh, and a rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes season for this team mm -hmm. to be the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. Right. And I, I think last year was a hundredth percentile outcome. This season is the complete opposite of that. And you're seeing the the kind of variety, the ranges that this team can go with and, and the inconsistencies that come with that. So I guess mm -hmm. my, my my thing is look, at the end of the day, I, I'm not sure which direction they go in. But I think the thing that is for sure is that they have to choose a direction to go in. They can't yeah, re remain definitely. kind of just letting things fly and see what happens. They have to make a decision here. Um, and that's that's what we'll see. So enough Raptors talk. My God, enough Raptors <laughs> talk. Um, gotta let it out. You gotta let it out. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta let it out. It's look, it's tough. And I'm I'm usually Mr. Positive on the timeline. I try to be as positive yeah. on the timeline. But when you just when you see the way things are going right now, you kind of have to call it how it is. Um, and I, I've tried my best to kind of be like, hey, look, there's there's good things to look forward to here. And there are. There are. Yeah. Again, like I said, even in this game, Scotty Barnes had a, a, an awesome superstar level game where you're like, whoa, this is what we're looking forward to in, mm -hmm. you know, three, four years from now. Right. Um, and, and I think Precious Achua had an awesome game, too. But it's just it's just like, let's pick a direction. Let's yeah. see what happens next. Um, so. Yeah, that, that's it on the games tonight. There's a couple of games going on uh, as well as we kind of go through these these things. But we're going to be talking about awards, ladies and gentlemen. And awards are, are good things to be betting on preseason. Wouldn't you agree, Lauren? Absolutely. 
Thank continue, you, please. Please continue. <laughs> Thank you. Know what way it's going to go. Make your bet at Sports Interaction. Whatever your sport, Sports Interaction has you covered. Pre-game live betting on all major sports and prop bets. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN19+. plus. Please pay play responsibly sports interaction now has an app by the way so scan that qr code you see on the screen to download um so look we, we're going to be talking about our our kind of picks just our mid-season picks like i said we're about halfway through the season a little bit more than halfway through the nba season so it's a good time to just double check where we're at with our awards we're also going to be doing some fun awards I think we should maybe do those at the beginning and then yeah. go through our, our other stuff because it'll be quick. So Yeah, we can do that. Uh, I might have just talked about them, but what about the most depressing team? What is your most depressing team this season, Lauren? Uh, I hate to say it, and it sounds to me like we're going different directions here. My most depressing team is the Charlotte <laughs> Hornets. Oh, okay. And cool. I, I just... And I feel like it's now even better timed with the LaMelo injury. Not that there's anything positive about that, because that's just unfortunate. But in more ways than I can count, the Hornets, I just feel like, you know how we, with our teams, with the Mavs and the Raptors, we're we're over here, please pick a direction, please pick a direction. Uh, For Charlotte, I don't really know that they have a whole lot of options for what their direction really is. They're just... They're kind of in this this state of, okay, yeah, we're tanking, and this draft is going to be a really great opportunity for them. But these guys that they're continuing to draft with lottery picks, I mean, you've got James Booknight, you've got Mark Williams, you've got these – I mean, Jaden McDaniels – or excuse me, Jalen McDaniels is a guy that's putting it together, and he's been a, a good, I guess, late bloomer in a way. Sure. Um, and so I think they have guys on their – I mean, JT Thor, they got guys on their team that are intriguing – but they don't have a direction. They don't have a, a young core that you can necessarily look at and be like, oh, yeah, there's the vision. Oh, yeah, there's what what it's going to be in X number of years, the way you can with an Indiana Pacers or, mm-hmm. or I mean, even the Raptors or something, you know. So I I hate to say it because I think LaMelo is a really fun player, but I just – I didn't like the coaching hire. I They've got more things than they can probably ever wanted to deal with off of the floor. Uh, so – it's it is depressing over in right. Charlotte from where I'm standing. It is it is depressing, um, and I, I think you know tack on the Miles Bridges situation and and how that kind of worked out. I, I think there's no question that they've been a tough team to watch. Again, I told you guys last week that they're probably one of my least watched teams. Them and the Houston Rockets, which we'll, we'll get to in a <laughs> in a second for one of the other awards. They they <laughs> they are landslide winners for one of the other fun awards we've got here, but. Um, I, I think the Charlotte pick is great. Um, you know, to be fair, I would say if there's any reason for them to be a depressing team this season, this is a good season to be that yeah. team because, hey, you might end up with a Victor Wembanyama, You might end up with a Scoot Henderson, Amen Thompson. And now, like you said, with an Indiana, things start to make sense a little bit more. You have LaMelo, you for have sure. that second guy. And, okay, now let's build and see what we can uh, – let's see what we can have. Uh, my most depressing team, and this this is 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 kind of like I look. I'm not going to be picking the Raptors, by the way. Uh, although <laughs> there's a very good argument to be had that 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 is a good pick. Um, I'm going to be taking the Los Angeles Lakers. I think yeah, that's, the reason yeah. I have them as a most depressing team is just because look, we're we're in year 20 of LeBron James's career. He's 38 years old. Um, he is a player that I have watched since the moment I knew what basketball was. And it's very, very tough for me to see him just be kind of like going out there and seeing if he can break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record and seeing if he can just pull out and scrape out wins with guys like Wenyan Gabriel and and <sighs> Kendrick Nunn on the court. And it's just – it's look, I understand the Lakers are in, a, are in a tough spot because of how old LeBron is and because mm-hmm. of AD's questions of health and whatnot. And they don't have many assets moving forward, so they want to make sure their long-term uh, situation is clear. But yeah. at the end of the day, we've talked about this. When you're in a situation where you have LeBron James, who's playing out of his mind, by the way, just mm-hmm. absolutely insane, especially in the month of January, it's it's tough for me to – to kind of have any sort of remorse, if you will. I'm not sure if that's the word to be ta- mm-hmm. to be using here, but I, it just I, it doesn't make sense to me to be like, oh, you know what? I understand the Lakers situation looking at this from a long-term view because you have two players who might start in the All-Star game. 
LeBron James <laughs> and Anthony Davis, they got it's the crazy. voting returns today. They are probably going to start in the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. These are two guys that at their best can be top 10, top 5 players in the league. Uh, and especially LeBron at his best can be one of the best, if not the best in the NBA. So mm-hmm. to to say you don't believe in those players, to even give them a little bit of a chance, uh, I don't understand that. I think for that reason, they're my most depressing team. So yeah. that's it's tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm with you there. I, when, I, when I'm looking at this this most depressing team, I'm like, do you want to take it? There are so many different ways you could take it. And yeah. when you're looking at teams that are, are – I guess disappointing and maybe underwhelming and it's kind of like you're just grasping at straws it's just kind of uh, that is very that could very much be more depressing than a team that some of these younger teams that while they might be struggling this is what they need to be doing to take that next step forward and if you're kind of in that state of mediocrity especially when you have two potential starting all-stars and you're looking at your current landscape in the western conference that's that's quite depressing so i'm i'm with you there I got you. I got you. So, uh, from depressing to exciting, uh, mm-hmm. what is your most exciting team to watch? Or I, I guess, like... I guess, just what's the most team? What's the team that's had you the most excited this season? I th- it's such a easy answer, at least for me. But to me, it's the Memphis Grizzlies. They're okay. young. They're winning. To me, in, in my opinion, they have the most exciting player in basketball right. on both ends of the floor. I mean, he just. John Morant is, is unbelievable. And and on top of that, you have their young core that continues to, to develop that we discussed last week, but they also have these rookies who they brought in and are intriguing. And for them to get draft those guys in the place that they drafted them, them in and, and then come in and play quality minutes and produce and, and show what they can do. I think they're a really fun young team and they're just, they're a perfect example of guys that lock in, understand their roles, understand the direction that they're going, the timeline that they're on. They're on the same page with their coach. I mean, it just, that's what you want to be as, as yeah. your team. And so I enjoy watching them. I think everybody enjoys watching them. And I mean, how can you not love a, a young team that's, that's ready to prove themselves? They talk so much trash too. And they I do. Love it. I, I love, it. love it. I love, I love it. it. <laughs> I know people hate it. And I think it's just like a, a very common thing to be like, all right, we're tired of this act and yeah. whatnot. But Man, it's really fun when when teams are winning and winning a lot of games and and they're mm-hmm. talking shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And they're having a lot of fun with it. I will say with the Grizzlies, I think one of the most impressive parts to me is the fact that they've had Jaron Jackson Jr. out for an extended time. They've had mm-hmm. Desmond Bain be out for a month. They've had John Morant be in and out of the lineup for a little bit too. Hasn't mattered. They have no problem. Won. They have consistently yep. won games. And now that they're all healthy, I think they're going on a huge run right now. Obviously, I believe they have the high, best winning streak in the NBA. They yeah, do. Yeah, last do. I checked, it was 10 or 11, maybe. Yeah, they're at 11. So, yeah. um, I mean, look, they're going to keep going. I don't know how long they're going to keep this winning streak going for. But to your Crazy. point, it, it makes a lot of sense that you would pick them for your most exciting team. My most exciting team has to be the team that is right under the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, it is the Sacramento Kings. Oh, I yes. love it. I almost, sac- I almost went that route. I did. Yeah. Look, I mean, the fact that we're sitting here 40-something games, almost 50 games into the NBA season, and the Sacramento Kings are 25-18. and 18. They've won five in a row. They are the third seed in the Western Conference. God. Um, I don't think anybody – expected Mm-mm. that and and look i am on record i have made a video prior to this season saying that i believe the sacramento kings had an unbelievable offseason they did the right thing they gave shooters to De'Aaron fox and they paired De'Aaron fox with a guy like demontis Sabonis that works so well i uh, to me look to be honest with you i knew that they were going to be very good <laughs> did i know they were going to be this good not a clue. Not a clue. <laughs> I thought, look, they're going to play. They're going to be a playing team. They're going to be frisky. They're going to be fun. They might be mm-hmm. where the Thunder are right now. I thought they'd be fighting, you know? That's what I thought, too. They're dominating. They are one of the best offenses in the NBA. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis probably will both be all-stars, with DeMontis Sabonis being the surefire all-star. I think mm-hmm. DeMontis Sabonis probably ends up being an all-NBA player. Uh, and when it comes to... Kevin Herter and what he's establishing and kind of developing into as this three-point shooter who can create off the bounce and play defense a little bit as well. I, I think his defense is an underrated part of his game Yeah. Uh, to the fact that they have these young guys in a Davion Mitchell and a Keegan Murray. And then you have Fox, like I mentioned, with Malik Monk as this shooter and creator off the bench. The Kings are just plain fun to watch. And on yeah. top of that, I, I wanted to kind of bring this up. Let me pull it up before I double check, but I'm pretty sure – 
they have played like the most clutch games in the NBA. So oh, wow. if you pull up, let me let me let me just double check before I go ranting here. <laughs> um, but I believe they've played the most clutch games in the NBA. They have not. I am wrong. But they're pretty up there. Are yeah, they up there? Yeah. So I, yeah, I they played they played twenty four clutch games. But it just seems like every single time that I watch this team, they are in a nail biter. Mm-hmm. They are at the wire. And uh, that's probably why De'Aaron Fox will end up winning the the Clutch Player of the Year, although I'm sure your guy Luca has something to say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, the, the Kings are just so much fun to watch. And the offense is high octane. They play a lot of close games. Uh, the, everybody is kind of clicking. They're having fun. The beam, out of the all beam. things, the beam is just one of the best marketing ploys in the, in sports right now it is it so is so yeah i i gotta go with i gotta go with the beam team right now i like the pick i really do because it's i mean as much as people wanted to just trash on sacramento and continue to be like it's never gonna happen it's you know the yeah. trade was a bad trade all this x y and z they've come in new coach everybody looks like they want to play together play for each other um you go out you make the trades that are they're not i mean for a team that's in California is not is by far the kind of lower end tier of the California teams to go out there to make the free agent signings not easy to do you have to go pay the premium to get guys that not only are good fits but then want to leave and come play in your in in your like that is not easy to do it's really not and so for them to identify those guys you've got the Malik Monk the De'Aaron Fox connection the shooting Kevin Herter looking to continue to establish himself in the league Sabonis being a in a better situation um they've just they've done so many things right and then even the Keegan Murray pick without going too too far back finding guys that will sign up and take something like that on to really kind of embody the identity of a rebuild culture and and get themselves back on the map. Not easy to do, especially when you're selecting that high. So, I mean, Monty McNair, the Kings, they just, they've done a really, really great job. And so to see them have the success, to see the city rally around them and, and, and be like, Hey, we never left. We've been here. The King, the beam team, the Kings fans we're here. And so it's really amazing to see. And I mean, props to them for proving me on, proving me wrong because i also had them in the play-in uh going into this season so i'm i'm happy for them i think it's safe to say that they will be breaking breaking that playoff drought by the way i think, I think it so is too. safe to say um, i love it i love it yeah it's awesome it's awesome shout out to the people in sacramento hopefully 100%. uh wink wink to our producers here in stpn send me out to a game i'd love to go check out sacramento <laughs> no anyways <laughs> um so when it comes to the awards, uh, we'll, we'll keep going here. Team most likely to disappoint in the second half of the season. So this is a team that through the next 40-whatever games probably mm-hmm. ends up, you know, taking a little bit of a dive. Yeah. What do you have here? I have the Atlanta Hawks here. Ooh, I think, okay. I know. Right. I think – they were you know they were how, in consideration for me too. You know but. how I feel about the foundation issues. If you just, I I think that there's a chance things could go right and they mm-hmm. could you know go the right direction. But to me, it's like one of those things where I look at and I'm like I just see a few too many cracks in the foundation. And I think there are plenty of other teams that have that are in similar situations. Uh, but to me, I just a coach player disconnect. I saw that with Luca and Rick. I yeah. can see what that does, and I just – I hate to see that anywhere. And so yeah, it's, I, not good. It, it's yeah. hard for me to have a whole lot of confidence in them. That that really just kind of sums it up. Where are you at? Yeah, I, I, I think I was looking at this like, okay, so what team probably will be active at the deadline and what team is in kind of like the middle ground who that might take a step back here? Uh, mm-hmm. I think they've had a really awesome season, but I could see the Utah Jazz taking a little bit of a yeah. dip uh, yep. just because of the fact that, like, look, they might end up moving a Jared Vanderbilt. They probably end up moving a Kelly Olynyk or Jordan Clarkson. Uh, and if they end up making some of those trades, they are obviously going to struggle. Right. Um, so, I, look, I think Lowry Markkinen has proven that he is an all-star player. He is here to stay. He is yep. uh, he has kind of catapulted himself into a different direction. I'm going to give another award to him later down the road, but um, I, I think that's a surefire kind of thing. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's it's possible for this team to take a slight dip. Maybe they're one of those teams. Like, if we look at the Western Conference right now, right, mm-hmm. there are 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams, eight teams from six to 13 separated by two and a half games. That's insane. That is crazy. It just hearing it out loud sounds insane. So you have the Lakers, the Suns, the Trailblazers, the Thunder, the Warriors, the Clippers, Minnesota, and obviously the Jazz. And I think there, there's, there's going to be some teams going up in that. I think the Warriors are going to be surging a little bit. I think the Clippers will figure it out. Minnesota, they probably get healthy with Cat and and Gobert, and they, they kind of figure things out a little bit more. The Suns, who knows what happens with them? The Lakers, who knows what happens with them? I think there's a chance the Jazz end up being the odd team out here. Um, so we'll see. I don't know, but I, I think that would be my bet at this moment. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. Most likely to surge in the second half of the season. What do you got? I have a feeling we went the same direction here, but I Probably. picked the Golden State Warriors. I yep. just I think yep. they're primed to to either make a move, well, to make a move, and then you get Steph kind of get back in his rhythm. Jordan mm-hmm. Poole's having a phenomenal year, um, so I I think that they're kind of their stage is set to kind of take that that leap forward. So that's what that's where I'm going. Yeah. So I knew you were going to say the Warriors, and I agree. I think you're totally <laughs> right. If I wanted to, but just to kind of give another team consideration, yeah. I think the Miami Heat is another team okay. that we might consider because they did this last year. They probably are kind of following the exact same formula as they did last year, where like Jimmy takes his time coming out the gate. They're kind of slow figuring things out. Um, Bam has been this dominant force, and then look. Now Jimmy is playing more games. They're figuring things out a little bit more. Their lineup makes a lot of sense. Gabe Vincent is playing more minutes. So I think they are going to surge and figure things out. Now I don't know how that plays in, into like the Eastern Conference because they're, what, three games back of the Cavaliers. They they have won seven of their last ten. But at the same time, how do you end up catching the Cavs or the Nets? Maybe some injuries play some factors here. But I do think with Jimmy playing more games and with, you know, kind of the heat figuring things out over the last month or so that they could be another team that surges up. So, so watch out yeah. for the Miami heat. Uh, yeah. Worst watch. I'm just going to go ahead and say this real quick. The, the, the Houston Rockets are the worst watch in the NBA. Um, yeah. That's you hope. mentioned the Charlotte Hornets. They're probably a close second. The Detroit Pistons are probably a close third, but the Houston Rockets are just God awful to watch. And I, it's, it, it's look, it has nothing to do with the players. I mean, I it, it does have something to do with the players. Actually, I lied. It, it does have something to do with the players because they do not pass the ball. They do not move. Mm-hmm. They, it just seems like it is a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of eye in team in the situation where they just, they really don't move the ball at all. Um, yeah. And, it, and, you know, to your point of like teams that aren't, um, how do you put this? Like there's some dysfunction in the organization. I think that John wall podcast kind of hinted at a lot of the things that were going on there and how things are ran. Uh, They're dead last in assists. They average 22 assists a game. They don't pass the ball at all. Jalen green and Kevin Porter jr. Are very much so playing. uh, You take a turn. I take a turn pretty much every possession. Uh, And even in, in those circumstances, those two young guys aren't necessarily showing like the best potential so mm-hmm. it's tough to watch. I think Alperen Schengen has had some really nice flashes. I'm 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 high on him. I like him. I think he's cool. But at right. the same time, man, it is tough to watch the Houston Rockets. And I I, I hope for they, their sake that they do end up getting a Victor Wembanyama or a Scoot Henderson to kind of give them some life. But because right. right now it's it's tough. It is tough to to see that team, man, it is so tough to watch. I think I've only watched like four games and every time I'm like, no, I, I can't keep doing this. Why am I doing this to myself? You know? Yeah. I mean, the Mavs play them a number of times every single year. (laughs) And so every single time I'm watching them, it's like, I mean, I really liked the Jabari Smith pick and I still think it's going to end up being a, a good pick for them. But when, when I see them playing together, like you said, there's not a lot of movement. There's a lot of ISO ball and you're just kind of, I love Alperin Chengun. He is so, so fun. The personality is great. I think the fit there, like from a personality standpoint and a play standpoint, I think he just, he was a home run pick. Right. And I love Steven Silas. So it's just breaking my heart (laughs) that it is just not working out, but it's so clear that it's not working out. And, you know, I think that getting another high draft pick is going to bode really well for them, uh, especially given their pick situation and their financial situation. I think they're going to be just fine. But right now, I don't know that this 
backcourt duo long term is really going to be, you know, this backcourt of the future that maybe they they would like to think that it will be. And so I think, you know, signing Kevin Porter Jr. to that extension was was key and and he's going to be good. But in terms of getting to where you want to be and find yourselves in like a Memphis Grizzlies or a New Orleans Pelicans type situation, there's going to need to be some changes. And it's yeah. it's too early to do that right now. But I think we're already kind of starting to see the flaws in, in the scheme. And, 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 and some of that may come down to coaching. Maybe we'll see a shift there before a, a bigger person player personnel shift. Uh, but I just... Right now, on a night to night basis, I'm like, this just seems like a little bit more than tanking to me. And I yeah. just, it's hard to watch. It, it just is hard to watch. Also, like, what's with the James Harden news? I, 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 th- I don't understand that even in the slightest. Like, if you have Jalen Green, if you have Kevin Porter Jr., if you have these young guys that you're trying to develop, there is no reason to go out there and try to sign a guy who is, who is trying to win. And win a chance. I don't. I don't understand that logic. I don't even understand where the rumors are coming from, other than the Me fact either. that he enjoys playing with Eric Gordon. Um, <laughs> so I. I don't. I don't know. I don't understand that. And the nightlife. And the nightlife. Yes, jerseys retired and all that. Um, all of that. Best watch. What is the best watch for you in the NBA? So this, this is kind of where I took a little bit of a. I, I could have easily said Memphis here as well for the same reasons I said exciting team, but this is where I went with the Beam team because cool. I. For all the reasons we talked about before, I love the product that they're putting out there. And I love, love, love watching guys that want to play for each other and that just complement each other well. So yeah. it's really that simple for me. It's got to be the beam team. Yeah, this was tough for me. I yeah. I enjoy watching a few teams because uh, the team that I predominantly watch has been a struggle to watch this year. Um, <laughs> Feel that? Yeah, but look, no, the, there's, there's two teams and I really, it's tough for me to answer because these teams have both been so fun to watch. Uh, because Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram are injured right now, I'm not going to give them the award. Although mm-hmm. if you guys were healthy, you guys would be the winners of this yeah. w- award. I think it has been so fun to watch Zion be at his best. It is, I mean, Brandon Ingram has been hurt for most of the season, but the rest of the young core that the Pelicans have, and we talked about that last podcast between Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, all those guys, it has been so fun to watch them develop figure things out and they're an enter- they play an entertaining team, uh, brand of basketball mm-hmm. i will say my team the selection i have is the denver nuggets it is yeah. not there is not a time where it is not entertaining to watch nikola jokic play basketball the dude is just absolutely insane at playing basketball uh, i was watching the minnesota game last night and that was such a fun it was just so entertaining to watch it was literally sorry i'm going to charge my laptop here for a second um it was it was genuinely the most fun game that I've seen in in a minute. Um, and like I've watched a good amount of Nuggets games this season. Every time I turn on a game, I'm saying, "How is Nikola Jokic going to make this ridiculous pass?" And yeah. the optionality that he has, plus the the guys that are surrounding him, makes so much sense. It is just such a fun brand of offensive basketball that. It's it's probably the best brand of basketball this season. I, I know the yeah. Kings are up there. I know the Pelicans are up there. Grizzlies, obviously, even the Celtics. But the Nuggets, you can turn on a game and every night be like, "Whoa, this is yeah. this is high octane. This is fun." Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's my pick. We'll we'll make the next one quick and then we'll go through our our actual awards. Okay. Next star to ask out. I'm going to be quick on this one. I kind of brought, uh, I kind of just said it earlier with the most depressing team. I do think LeBron James asks out. Um, And I don't think Lakers fans will blame him, to be honest with you. I really Mm -hmm. don't think Lakers fans will blame him. I think, obviously, he can't get traded this year. um, But in the summer, I would imagine that we get that Woj or Shams bomb saying that the Lakers and LeBron James have agreed to mutually part ways. Mm-hmm. And that they will be looking at options to trade him. Uh, th- that'll be crazy because <laughs> I don't know what the value of a guy who's 39 <laughs> years old. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, like 39 years old, but he's also arguably the greatest player of all time. How do you, how do you get a package for that that is satisfying? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. That's that's a bridge we'll cross. But I, I think if I had to pick the next star to ask out, it'd be LeBron right now. You know, I really thought I was going to bring some spice to the Objective Basketball oh, podcast said, you, tonight, no but way. I also picked LeBron James. Wow, okay. <laughs> All right. 
I did. I think there are easier routes to probably go right now for like the trade deadline. But to me, this just feels like the writing's on the wall. Yeah, it it does. It does feel like the writing's on the wall. And look, there are other options out there. You can say, uh, oh, I don't believe in the Brooklyn Nets. And after this season, Kevin Durant will ask out again and Kyrie Irving is gone. So maybe that's a situation that you see. Maybe yeah. the guy I'm watching right now, Damian Lillard, maybe he gets <laughs> tired. He says, I'm not loyal anymore. <laughs> and, and you know, calls it a day. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good pick from both of us, to be yeah. honest with you. Maybe maybe not a hot take anymore if both of us agree on it. That. I know. I'm kinda like, wow. <laughs> um let's let's do the awards. Uh we'll, we'll do them. I think honestly, as much as we talk about like how uh the award races are all crazy, I think some of these are pretty solidified. I er, agree. Early Completely. on. Um I want to start with the one that's the most solidified right now, and that's Rookie of the Year. I think Paolo Bancaro is running away with it. Do you agree yep. with that? I do agree with that. Yeah. I do. Love him. I, 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 don't, I don't think there's any disputing that right now. I mean, he's leading all rookies in points. Uh, and on top of that, he has been tremendous. I think he has shown more potential than people imagined in his first season. When it comes to guys who are, uh, you know, we kind of talked about it in our Young Cores podcast last mm-hmm. week, but – just the potential that he's shown in the 30 some odd games that he's played is is really like you're like, well, this is going to be a superstar player. He's going to be a top 10, top 15 guy in the league. It's just a matter of time. Uh, right. he, he's averaging 21 points. Uh, he's not shooting that well from the field, but that really doesn't matter that much when you're a rookie. He's still putting up 21, six and four. And the Magic are, I wouldn't say they're like exceeding expectations by any means, but they're frisky. They're not like this easy competition every night. And I think that's thanks to Paolo plus Franz. Uh, The Magic have something good going. I think he's Rookie of the Year. Easy. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I don't think that there's a whole lot disputing it. I mean, I think everything is is panning out for him just as the Magic hoped it would. So where do you sit on the most improved player? This is... This is this is the award that kind of grinds my gears the most. Uh, I I get really really angry about how people discuss this award. Yeah. I think personally, John Morant shouldn't have been the most improved player last year. I think yeah. yes, there's yes, he was great and he was good and he improved, but we are talking about most improved. <laughs> so the most amount of improvement in a season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a pick, but I'm kind of curious where you land on this. So you, you, you tell me, yeah. you tell me what you think. So I've got three guys that I think need to add to me. This is the discussion. These three Okay. to me when we're talking, cause I'm with you. If you're, if you're a name that gets thrown around and potentially even an MVP, you are not in the most improved. That is yeah. not what that award is for. Yeah. You have a Shea Alexander. I'm sorry. Love you, no. bud. Great guy, great yeah. player. He's going to be awesome. It's a, you are yeah. in the MVP conversation. You are yeah, not in the most improved conversation. I'm right there. With, I'm 100% there with you. So for me, the player that has improved the most, completely exceeded expectations to the point where it's just, it's a completely different conversation around this player is Lowry Markkinen. To right. me, that's where I'm at. The other two guys, Tyrese Halliburton, who I think is a very popular one, but another guy who I got to give it to him is Jalen Brunson. I think he's put himself in a different category. The numbers... I think when you compare at, a, at at face value to Tyrese and to Markkanen, they're not exactly the same. Obviously, both teams or all three of those teams function completely differently. But right. Jalen Brunson, in terms of improving and putting putting himself in a completely different category, to me, that's what this award is. Is if you go from either role player or starter to all star level talent, that is what this award is about. And and for me, Larry Markkanen has gone from okay, I just got relocated to this situation to now I'm an all-star level talent that's showing crazy potential that you now want to build your franchise around. Maybe not him individually, but he's a key piece that you just cannot even entertain the thought of trading, in my opinion. So that, for me, is why he gets the award. Yeah, so I'm with you there. I picked Lowry Markkinen. I think he's the guy to go with when it comes to – you know, most improved. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, I wrote an article about this guy, but for him to go from where he was in Chicago in like, oh, this is damaged goods. We don't want to <laughs> touch him. I, nobody wants to trade him, even, trade for him, even as a restricted free agent uh, on his rookie deal. That's that's kind of like unheard of trade value wise. He goes to Cleveland. He's thrown into this weird mix where he has to play small forward 
And that actually ends up doing him a lot of good. He figures things out. He's like, oh, I, maybe I can be a wing in this league as a seven-footer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he moves to Utah, and he's given free reign to do whatever the hell he wants as a wing. And he exceeds. He's being an all-star player. I think he is my most improved player so far. You brought up usage. Uh, yeah. And just, you know, when it comes to Jalen Brunson and Tyrese Halliburton, I think that's a fine line we have to toggle because yeah. a lot of a lot of the most improved award comes down to usage and guys getting more opportunities. I think all three of those guys have been given more opportunity, especially Jalen Brunson, who last season his usage was 21 percent. Now it's 27 percent. Uh, Lowry Markkinen, his usage was 19 percent last year, and now it's 25 percent, which is a huge jump. And Tyrese Halliburton went from 20 to 24. So I, I, I think but there's you have to consider usage when right. it comes to the most improved award. But at the same time, it's usage plus opportunity plus figuring out what the greatest leap is. I think last year, Halliburton was very, very good. And when he got to Indiana, it was, it, it was pretty obvious that he was going to have a really great season following up this year. Uh, right. Jalen Brunson, I think it was it was obvious that with just increased opportunity, not playing behind Luka Doncic and being the number one guard on a team, that he was obviously going to put up better numbers, be an all-star caliber player. I think those two things were obvious. They didn't improve necessarily. They were just given more opportunity. Whereas yeah, I think Lowry Markkinen was given more opportunity, but he also improved. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you on that. I think Lowry Markkinen kind of gets the, the pick on this one. So... We're two for two right now. We are. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious. So let's go with defensive player of the year because okay. I think you can go two ways with this. Mm -hmm. I really do think you can go two ways with this. Um, I understand that Brooke Lopez was leading the race at the start of the year, mm -hmm. but I think the guy I'm about to pick has overtaken him. Uh, and he's a guy that you mentioned in your, in your mm -hmm. most fun team, <laughs> Jaron Jackson Jr. Are you on the same page with me? I am on the same page with you. Nice. Okay, we're three for three. Three for three. Yes, absolutely. Look, hey, by the way, by the way, I will say we got some good chemistry because on these lists we that do. we've been doing, on these lists that we've been doing, we've been money for the we most have. part. We've been pretty, pretty in sync. Other than the Detroit pick, which and I had dropping, yeah, <laughs> I dropping people, Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, I had people message me be like, listen. Uh, you have to tell Lauren about Detroit. I don't know. I don't yeah. know, man. And I'm yeah. like, look, hey, look, you can be you can be optimistic about a team. That is completely fine. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, so I have Jaron Jackson Jr. as well. I think the fact that he is he has the best block percentage in NBA history is the craziest thing. He's blocking over 10 percent of shots that he he he. It, it, comes his way that is just in unheard of it is insane to even like imagine uh he's made the grizzlies the number one defense in the nba he's elevated them from i believe being dead last without him to number one that is a massive difference a massive impact to a team's defense i think brooke lopez the fact that he has a guy like drew holiday beside him to be this perimeter defender they they play a great pick and roll partners. They play they they really like the way they defend the pick and roll between Drew and Brooke. It's seamless. It's awesome. But Jaron has to cover for John Morant, <laughs> and I yeah. I love Jaw, but I think the fact that you have weaker defenders around you gives you an added little thing for me, a note if you will, a, a tidbit to be like, hey, Jaw isn't that great of a defender. I don't think Bane. Although I think Bane is a better defender than Morant. He hasn't like really blown me out the water. I think Dylan Brooks is a really good defender, but there are more good defenders on the Milwaukee Bucks than are than they are than there are on the Memphis Grizzlies. So I'm going to mm -hmm. take Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's been so crucial to what the Grizzlies do on defense. Yeah. And I mean, they're title hopes, to be honest with you. I think he's like the key. He's the X factor here for swinging if they can win the NBA championship this year. I really do think they're a championship team. It's just, can they figure it out? Can they kind of can Jaron Jackson Jr. be this guy in the playoffs for them? And, hey, we'll see what happens. I think I think he is defense player of the year. He should have been the defense player of the year last year, by the way, is, is my <laughs> pick. But that's neither here nor there. So, Yeah, I, I, I think that they can do it this year. I think that he – what he brings to their – in terms of just elevating, like you said, 
it's not if you take him out of the equation we're having an entirely different conversation about the Memphis Grizzlies and so when you have a guy that impacts a team stat that is so so crucial to success you can't overlook that it's not just about the blocks it's not just about the rebounds it's about elevating team defense at least for me when it comes to this award and at least this year as a whole, I know that there's a, a solid argument for Brooke Lopez, but as a whole, I think the best argument and best example for that case is Jaron Jackson Jr. There's just – there are better team defenders. I mean, when you have Giannis beside yeah. you on the help side ready to block any type of shot, and when you have Drew Holiday commanding the point of attack, yeah. I think I think your job is a little bit easier as a rim protector in that situation. Not saying that Brooke is Brooke – is, is not um, a good yeah. defender. I mean, he he really was incredible, and he's he's doing a great job on the on the kind of like rim protecting side of things. But Jaron Jackson Jr. can step out on the perimeter. He can he can be a little bit more versatile at that at that point of attack situation or guarding the pick and roll a little bit higher. And he can play drop. He can block shots like crazy. He's a rim protector, but he can also step out on guards. I think that versatility plus the fact that what he's done to elevate this Grizzlies defense. He's the runaway for me. I, not yeah. runaway. I shouldn't say runaway, but he is the guy I'm picking right now to be defensive player of the year. We are three for three, Miss Gunn. We are three for mm-hmm. three. Uh, so maybe one, I'm leaving MVP to last because I okay. feel like that's going to be the point of contention here. I feel like yeah, that probably. will be. Uh, six man of the year. Who do you got? This kind of goes in line with my who's going to surge in the second half of the season. And so mm. for me, it's Jordan Poole. I think the Warriors yeah. are set to kind of take this next step forward. He has been a, a big part of their team this year. Obviously, that has to do with some of Steph Curry's absence. But I do think that he's going to kind of continue this this level of play and be essential to what they do put together in the second half of the season. And sometimes that's when you kind of see races for awards kind of at in this category, at this tier, kind mm-hmm. of. This is where you see guys start to separate themselves. And so I think this is going to be Jordan Poole's opportunity uh, to kind of solidify that in this this last stretch. Uh, And I think he's I think he's set to do it. I like it. Um, I think I sort of went about this award a little bit differently in Mm -hmm. that, like, okay, who is my sixth man of the year right now versus who will end up being if I had to say after 82 games who will end up being the sixth man of the year i think my pick will be jordan pool because yep. with them getting healthy pool moves back to the bench it makes a lot of sense right now if you had to pick pool has started more games than he's he's come off the bench for so, sure so i i get you on that perspective so for me i pick christian wood your guy i i picked wow. him to be the sixth man of the year he hasn't started as much games although i know he is in that starting spot right now right uh, I, again it, it kind of it's difficult to determine this because yeah. it does have to do with starting and not starting games. Mm-hmm. To your point, because of the fact that the Warriors will probably surge in the second half of the season, I can see Jordan Poole winning this. But right now, if I had to go 45 games and I'm giving it to your guy, I love Christian it. Wood. Yeah. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take yeah. any positivity in, uh, in Mavs world right now. <laughs> hey, cause... I mean, look, uh, that contract extension going to be tough when he's like, I just won six man of the year for you guys. <laughs> you know, every yeah. day that goes by and that extension hasn't been signed, I'm like, oh, people, that, <laughs> yeah, that dollar yeah. bill is just it's going up. It's going up. It's, it's going, going up. up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm. I agree. I was watching the uh, the Hawks Mavs. I think second half, and he was really, really good in that game. He was. He was very uh, good. Yeah. So I mean, look, he he kind of he's the guy who, if the Mavericks are going to commit to him being at the five, their offensive juice is just so fun. It, it's yeah. they they have a lot of talent offensively when he's playing the five. Now on the other side, the defense drops off, and you're kind of you're you're left wondering what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. But I, I think when it comes to offensive output, there's no question that for me it's 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 Christian right now. Mm-hmm. It sure is. Um, okay, so we're down to two awards. I feel mm-hmm. like these are the awards where you can kind of go in multiple directions. Yeah. I'll start with Coach of the Year. Okay. Um, I, I'll I'll give you my pick real quick. So I, sure. I think um, my Coach of the Year is Jacques Vaughn, and okay. the reason I pick Jacques Vaughn is because. Coming into the season with Steve Nash, the firing, what happened with the Kyrie situation, we won't devolve, we won't go into that too deep. The Kevin Durant trade rumors, all the mess that happened with the Brooklyn Nets for the first two weeks of the season, they were two and seven, and for them to now be, just to double check, they are. Uh, let me let me double check just to just to make sure, Nets fans. I don't want to do you guys wrong. 
Um, they are 27 and 16. And while Kevin Durant is out of the lineup and they've lost three in a row, I, I, I imagine they will stay afloat to the point where they will still be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Before Jacques Vaughn signed on, they were not a playoff team. They looked <laughs> abysmal. They looked like everybody hated each other. Uh, and that has completely changed. Nick Claxton right. looks like a defensive player of the year candidate. I know we didn't mention him in the DPOY race, but he definitely deserves kind of a nod there. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, they have surged in a massive way. And I think it's because Jacques Vaughn has tweaked with the lineups a little bit to have players that make more sense defensively around them. I think Ben Simmons has looked good, even though that he's gone through stretches where he he's kind of looked like a, a shell of himself. Um, I think not playing the small guard lineups with, you know, uh, Seth Curry and, and Kyrie Irving and throwing Royce O'Neal in there instead and maybe throwing you to Watanabe and TJ Warren figuring it out. I think Jacques Vaughn has got these guys to buy in. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is that is such a huge aspect. I mean, t- for a coach, for an interim coach to come in and flip the script on a team that just seemed like it was doomed. Yeah. Uh, I I think he he wins coach of the year. And by the way, I believe that would be the first interim coach in NBA history oh, wow. to win coach of the year. So I'm giving it to him. What about you? Yeah, he I God, I was between him and the guy that I ended up giving it to. And I, I have to give it to Coach Mazzula in Boston. And nice. it's. It's a, a similar lot of it, situation, it's, it's right? Similar yeah. situation in terms of having to overcome a lot of adversity, having to deal with things that you just you wouldn't have thought of, and and yeah. just being able to come in and have such success. And obviously, you've got a team that has a really talented duo, very similar to the way the Nets right. did. Um, I think what Coach Vaughn has done in Brooklyn has been crazy in terms of how you can go from having a guy not just your star player but having a guy like Kevin Durant go from oh I want to be traded and tweets and whatever to right. all of a sudden you're find your you find yourself in this position I do think that there's an element or an, an aspect to that that's more impressive than the level of dominance that we're seeing from Boston so either way I think either of these coaches getting the award I think both are very worthy and have really strong resumes to qualify them for this award yeah so i do look forward to see who gets it um but yeah i mean both of these both of these teams i think kind of what we see in the second half of the season and and where they go or maybe where they potentially even take steps back i do wonder how that's going to kind of um i guess impact the, the the race and 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 who kind of separates themselves but yeah i'd be more than thrilled with either of these guys winning and hey, these aren't the only guys that should be mm-hmm. in consideration. No. I think um, I think Taylor Jenkins in Memphis. You know, I mentioned the injuries earlier. The fact that you somehow stay resilient and you are at the top of the West or near the top of the West despite those injuries is is something that is a massive testament to how, the kind of continuity that they've established there. I think Mike Brown and the offense that he's established with the Sacramento Kings is also something that kind of deserves recognition. So mm-hmm. I don't know between those guys, I think it could go anyway, but um, I, think so too. I, I think our guys are probably pretty good picks. Pretty good. picks. Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do it. Most valuable player. <laughs> let's talk about it. Uh, I'm going to go out and say it. All right. I'm just going to go out and yeah. throw it out there. I think Luka Doncic has been incredible. I think there is tons of merit to the type of performance that he's putting out there. There's no question just how insane it is. The 60-20-10 night, that was incredible. Um, I mean, man, the offensive output that he's doing every single night is also incredible. Uh, He is going to win an MVP at some point in his career. There is no question. Um, I'm still going to take Nikola Jokic. Wow. I know, I know. And it's so wild to say. It's just, I I really do think averaging a near Mm triple-double at the top of the Western Conference. Coming into the season, I said the only way I would would vote for Nikola Jokic for a third straight season is if the Nuggets were the first seed and he's averaging a triple-double. And he is is doing exactly that. (laughs) He's doing exactly that. So I can't can't fall back on my word here. I I have to double down on it. Look, the Nuggets are the number one team in the West. Uh, I don't think they're running away with the West by any means. Memphis is right behind them. Um, and Sacramento is kind of like tailing tailing behind them, if you will. But I do think that they look like they're the best team in the West right now. A lot of that is because of Nikola Jokic. Uh, I think what he's done on a night-to-night basis is just flat-out incredible. 
all the advanced stats, every single advanced stat, he is number one in. Like, you go and you look at the Vorps, you look at the Raptors, you look at the whoever's. All of them, he is number one in. He is even leading the league. I, I don't know if this is true anymore, but when I was double-checking this a little bit ago, he is leading the league in defensive box plus minus. He is not the best defender in the NBA. That is, There's no question. But the fact that he is up there for that type of stuff is just flat-out incredible. Uh, so I, I'm going to go ahead and pick Nikola Jokic. I think he deserves it. I think there is very, very fair case to put him there. At the same time... I understand people who would say Luka Doncic. I understand people who would say Jason Tatum or Kevin mm-hmm. Durant, even though he's missed a couple of games. Like, I, I understand the arguments for a lot of these guys. You, can, you sure. can give me arguments for pretty much any of the four I just mentioned. And I would say, okay, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I understand. But I'm going to go with Jokic. I got to stick with what I said at the start of the year, which was if they were the first seed and he averages <laughs> a triple-double, I'm giving him MVP. So, yeah. I'm giving him MVP. Also, I just saw he is the all-time leader, Nuggets all-time leader in assists. So, <laughs> Nikola Jokic, MVP. God, it's it's crazy what he continues to do because it's just year after year. It's like, yeah. do I even is this even is this real? Like, I <laughs> the numbers that he puts up are it's crazy. And so yeah. he the numbers. If you're looking at the numbers, the team winning, all every literally everything that you would ask yourself, what qualifies for the guy to be who for someone to be most eligible to win the MVP award, it is 1000% Nicole Jokic. Yeah. However, he's not my pick because okay. I am a big believer in voter fatigue. Not that I, th- <laughs> I think it's a bunch of BS, but I can't, I think it's a bunch of BS, but I also I think it. that you can't ignore it. Yeah. And so he is not my pick. Luca's not my pick because Ooh. even though I think he's having a phenomenal year and the Mavs, I know. Sorry, Mavs oh. Twitter. Sorry. Even though he's having a phenomenal year and the Mavs typically second half of the season, they kind of do take a step forward and they really kind of fire on all cylinders and they look great, whatever. I, and I fully believe that that there's a decent likelihood that that happens. I still think as of right now, the brand of basketball that they're putting out there is not good enough to, to, to warrant an MVP award. Right. So I go back to Jason Tatum. I just, I do think that, like for everything I just said about Jokic, I get it. But Jason Tatum, the dominance that they're playing with, I think he's going to continue to win games. I mean, obviously he's got he's got Jalen Brown, and and yeah, that's great. But like, I think he's he's the head of the snake. They're playing at a very high level. I think Coach Missoula. I, I just said why I think he's so great, but. Right. I think Boston is set to have a big year. I think they're going to be the team that comes out of the East, which I rarely pick the team that is the first seed in the East, but or the first seed in either conference to come out. But I just right. think that they're built to to do it, to to pull it off. So I got to give the nod to Jason Tatum. I do think that uh, this is his year. Look, I mean, again, like I said, you can't go you wrong can, with yeah, any of can. those four picks. Uh, they are running away with the Eastern Conference as of right now. They're 34 and 12. The next best team is 29 and 16. Four and a half games back is the Milwaukee Bucks. They've won eight in a row. They just beat the Warriors. We talked about that off the top. Jason Tatum is averaging 31, 8, and 5 on 46, 35, 88 shooting splits. It is absurd numbers. Um, he's playing better defense. His on-ball defense is better. His off-ball defense is better. Yeah, I I have no problems with this as the pick. Absolutely Mm -hmm. no problems with this as a pick. I think the only thing I would say is just the fact that Nikola Jokic is almost averaging a (laughs) triple-double. You can't debate debate the numbers, the wins. It's all there. It's all there. And look, ladies and gentlemen, for the people who have listened so far into this podcast for us, you can also decide and agree and disagree with us because at the end of the day, it is your opinion. Basketball is beautiful because of that exact reason, because me and Lauren can look at it and be like, look, yeah, Nikola Jokic is doing this incredible, remarkable thing. But on the other side of the uh, of the coast, I guess, if you will, I don't know, Denver is in the middle, whatever. It doesn't matter. I almost said hemisphere and I was like, nope, that's yeah, no, not, it not hemisphere. <laughs> on the other side in, in Massachusetts, even though I don't know go. how to spell Massachusetts, um, <laughs> It, it is Jason Tatum doing something incredible, and he pulled out a win tonight against the Golden State Warriors despite shooting 
uh, a, a poor percentage. He had he almost had 30 and 20. I believe he might have had 30 and 20, which is incredible. He has figured it out. He's the game is the game is quote unquote slowed down for him. Um, and I think a lot of players we see that with. Um, you know, we kind of use the term slow. The game is slowed down for him when when a player has really sort of the reads are coming to him. Mm-hmm. He is seeing things too. He's seen moves two times in advance. He's it's playing chess, right? Uh, so I agree with you. I'm with you on that. I'm down. It, do, it doesn't. We, yeah, we will see. Yeah. It's gonna be. There are a lot of these that are close races. So yeah. I do look forward to what you know. We talk a lot about trades, but I look forward to who, what things are going to shift between now and the end of the season because there are so many. I mean, injuries, um, things trades, off the court yeah. that trades. Like you just, you really, truly never know who's going to all of a sudden decide. Hey, maybe I'm not so happy here. Um, mm-hmm. and and things just shift from a chemistry standpoint. So I'm excited to see how these things shake out because there are a lot of really interesting storylines. Right, as always, as there always is in the NBA. Uh, but right now, I do look forward to kind of see where these awards shake out and just. I, I guess where the standings even solidify because even yeah. that is still so up in the air right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's like we mentioned at the end of the Young Core episode, this is a really, really great time to be watching NBA basketball just because the games are at a high level. The teams are playing phenomenal. The parody is great. Um, and the awards, the players that you're watching are also, they're putting up individual performances that we just haven't seen before in NBA history. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for tapping in to the Objective Basketball Podcast. Thank you to, for listening to mine and Lauren's voice for over an hour. You are mm-hmm. a real one. We appreciate it. Do all the all the things for me. You know what I mean? The subscriptions, the tags, <laughs> the whatever, the geolocations. I don't even know what I'm talking about. They, they know what we're they know what we're it's talking late. about. They yeah. know the things. It's late, ladies and gentlemen. But for you, it might be early in the morning listening to this. So we appreciate you listening to the Objective Basketball Podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Bye bye. Follow hosts at Just S Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.